Welcome back to Get Off Our Lawn. In this episode, episode 11, we talk to Dr. Sean Rocket, the OG of CrossFit Orthopedic Surgeons. Angela and I get to ask him a wide range of questions about medicine and CrossFit and motivation and even have a discussion about how CrossFit and nutrition has infiltrated his medical practice. Sean is a great person to talk to and we really hope you enjoy this episode. Um, now look, uh, we all know that CrossFit is no more dangerous or injury causing than any other sport, but sometimes we do get hurt. Maybe we aggravate an old injury or we get a new injury, and when that happens, the first thing we do is, well, we ask the CF Masters page to uh, diagnose it for us and then suggest treatment. Then we go to 321GoMD to read an article about our injury written by a real doctor and maybe get some actual knowledge. Sean Rocket is the real doctor behind 321GoMD. He's also an orthopedic surgeon. He's been a CrossFitter since before Ben Bergeron opened CrossFit New England, and Sean really, really cares about making people better. I've listened to several podcasts with Sean, and the one thing that I was always interested in is why. Why are you an orthopedic surgeon instead of being, say, an oncologist or a family medicine doc? How did you choose the path to orthopedics specifically? And being totally honest, one of the things that fascinates me more than anything about literally everyone is, why are you who you are? How did you get here? What choices did you make along the way? Thankfully, Sean was willing to share that information with us. And his desire to help people started at a really young age, thanks in large part to the influence of his parents, who were both surgeons. Early on when we started this podcast, Get Off Our Lawn, Angela wanted to get Sean as a guest. She made it happen, and you get the benefit. When it comes to interesting episodes, this one absolutely takes the cake. The only problem, and this is probably due to my Wi-Fi, we lost the segment where Sean went into detail about beating Ben Bergeron in a wad. Now, we could call up Sean and re-record that segment, but I think it would be much more interesting to uh, send a camera out, set it up again, and watch it happen live. Hopefully Sean's up for that. In the meantime, please enjoy, and we'll talk to you later. Hi, Sean Rocket. You're a real doctor, aren't you? I play one on TV sometimes, too. Excellent. <laughs> Welcome to, I'm not sure what episode this is of Get Off Our Lawn, but um, you are our first legitimate doctor that we've had on here. We've had pretend doctors. <laughs> I don't know if legitimate's uh, the right word. But that's, uh, people, people say, do you, know, uh, do you know a good doctor I could go see? I go, well, I know a doctor. I don't know. <laughs> well, first I want to thank you for, you have been such a valuable professional giver of advice on our CF Masters group. Um, between your personal interaction and your your ever so handy three two one go MD columns, mm-hmm. thousands of broken CrossFitters have uh, benefited from your knowledge and experience. Oh, thank so, you. You're, um, I, like, I like doing it. I like doing it. I, I hate to see when some advice goes awry or people are you know not given sort of scientifically based. You know, I, I'm a science. I, you know, I believe in science and. Double, double blind randomized controlled studies and then I hate when some things get out there that are you know not I don't hate it but I just I'd rather people get real 
advice. Have you always been a kind of a sciencey, nerdy kind of numbers no, kind of no, guy? I was, no, this came around mostly from sports, I would say. I was mostly a sports guy. My parents were both doctors, so that was always out there in the back of my mind. You know, I, I saw what it was like growing up and, you know, it seemed like a fun fun thing to be a surgeon and my dad's a neurosurgeon my mom's a general surgeon and uh and you know being able to, to fix things was always you know uh, and see like the other the part that i liked the best was that i would see all these people come by you know say at, at church or you know just anywhere and they'd be like oh your dad operated on me and i you know i can walk again and you know i mean my pain is so much less and we're so grateful and you know like how that's that's tough to that's, you know, it's, it was a nice feeling. And so that I sort of, that was always out there in the background. But then when I grew up, I, I started, you know, looking into other options and other different ideas. And I sort of was drawn back towards it. Um, just, you know, trying to think like, could I make a difference in people's lives? You know, that, that was sort of the, the impetus behind going into medicine and then maybe surgery and then maybe orthopedics and was, you know, at the, after all is said and done, you know, when you're on this earth, you know, did you did you do something good? And that was sort of what it came down to. Was, did it really come down to that as a as a kid? I mean, was it like, oh, I want to do something good? Because it, I mean, that's some pretty decent decent influences. Dad's a neurosurgeon, mom's a general surgeon. Um, that really drives a little different. Like my dad drove a truck, and my mom was a stay at home mom. I didn't understand yeah. med school and getting through right. all that. So you had those people in your life and you had them on call and so forth. Was yeah. it truly a driver of like, hey, I want to make a difference? Or was it like, this is where I'm going to go? And then that that other driver kind of emerged. No, like early on, like early on, that was sort of the, I would say the child, not childish, but like the the sort of uh, teenage adolescent, like, yeah, I think that'd be cool to help people and do good things. And then in college, I was like, okay, let's get real. And you know, then the AIDS epidemic was coming out. And I was like, hmm. I was, you know, we didn't know what AIDS was and where it was coming from when I was deciding whether or not medicine was right for me. And, and I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to look, and I looked into business and I looked into law school and, uh, and you know, sort of started having more, more mature thoughts about it as opposed to sort of like, I wanted to do good things. But then it kind of came back to that, like, I, I'd spent some time in, in, in a business office and a legal office. And, uh, and I was like, I really am, you know, attracted to that, that grateful patient idea. The person who says, you know, thank you, doc. That was great. You know, I can walk again. I can. We have a case of uh, one of my dad's uh, patients. He, uh, when he was 16, he one day woke up blind and um, he had a little cyst on his optic nerve. And my dad just went in and took out the cyst and the guy could see again. And it was like, you know, how do, hmm. how do you hear that story and not get, you know, you know, jacked up about it, you know, really neat story. And he actually, that guy came to me as a patient, like 40 years later, 30 years later, and uh, he works for Bose and uh, got dad a nice gift from Bose. So, um, but you know, just stories like that. I would hear stories like that literally once a, once a week or, you know, once a month. And, and it was just, you know, that was sort of the, the interest. But then I, I verified that interest, you know, as I got older and in college and majored in biology just to keep it out there as a possibility. And then and then applied to med school and got in. What was it about being an orthopedic surgeon? What was, I mean, you could have been any kind of surgeon. Yeah, yeah, no, you could have been any kind of surgeon. So I hate the smell of bowel and feces. So that took general, <laughs> that took general <laughs> surgery. That took general All surgery right, out no of there. Oh, shit. 
Yeah, you know, I, I literally, I was in, in like med school, I'd be like, oh, oh, like I'd smell it, I'd start gagging, and I'd be like, okay, I'm not doing this. And then uh, ear, ear, nose, and throat, I was like, uh, you know, there's just so much mucus and phlegm, and I was like, that was, that was in it for me. But the orthopedic surgery part first was the sports medicine part. That was the first part that drew me into to that. And then, um, and then replacing somebody's joints. When you replace somebody's joints and you can take this, you know, 75-year-old who can't walk and they go to their, you know, granddaughter's or, or you know, daughter's wedding and they can dance and, and they're so thrilled. They're so happy. Within three months of a surgery, they come back to you and hugging you and, and kissing you and bringing you gifts. It's just, that's, a, that's tough to beat. That, that was really that's good stuff. So you're saying you did this for the gifts? I like gifts. I'll bring. I'll, I, I tell people I will operate for food. If they, bring me, if they bring me food, I will. I will do anything. I actually have a friend who a friend brings food to me. So like at lunchtime, she'll make her appointment right around lunchtime. She'll bring food, and I'll sit there and eat lunch, and she'll you know be able to talk to me. She so she's smart because she knows I'm, I'm going to eat my lunch in there and spend a lot of time with her. <laughs> Do you get the same joy out of fixing a, say, 45-year-old crossfitter's shoulder as you do a 75-year-old who wants to go to his granddaughter's wedding? Yeah, you know, so that so that's the other part, too. I, you know, I got into CrossFit. I love the CrossFitters. I love the mentality. The biggest thing with CrossFit and surgery is that, you know, I have to restrict them so hard. You know, I'm, I'm like a mean, mean bully after surgery. Like I'm like, no, 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 don't stop, 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 stop. Give me three months and then I'll, you know, we'll turn you loose. But it's like I'm, I'm yanking on the reins for three months. And, uh, but yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're great people. They, they heal incredibly fast. Crossfitters in general are very healthy. And I would say just operating on them, they're, you know, it's, 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 it's a little easy. It's, you know, because they heal so well. They have such good supply. Their tendons are in good shape. Um, you know, unfortunately, they are ripping tendons. So that's, you know, again, been my goal is to try to, teach people how to prevent ripping tendon cuff tears and stuff like that. So, so what's your athletic background? What, what was your kid, kid, kidhood? <laughs> That's a dumb my question. Kidhood. Yeah. What my, was your child? My, my kidhood was spent with, uh, I had three brothers and we grew up next to a family with four boys. So it was like every day we were playing a different sport. And then, uh, high school, I played, uh, football, basketball, baseball, and then in college, I played football and baseball. What position did you play in football? Quarterback in high school, came into Harvard, and they had recruited like 10 quarterbacks. And so I switched to wide receiver after seeing some of the arms who were on the other guys from Indiana and California. Actually, the guy who was with me, Tom Yoey, uh, broke all the records at Harvard. And I could tell that freshman year that he was, he was that good. And uh, so I switched to wide receiver. Then I popped my shoulder up the back and uh, so that football and contact was wasn't fun anymore and so i switched uh, or i kept playing baseball so how did that how what was your evolution into crossfit how did that kind of spin around were you out of athletics for a while or did you find it how how did you how did you find us yeah. i guess yeah it was um it was mostly i was playing pickup basketball pickup soccer um and then going to the boston sports club and uh and lifting weights on a bike you know, doing dumbbell curls while we're riding on a stationary bike. And uh, my <laughs> wife, I was like, this is, this is, you know, there's got to be something better than this. And my wife got me a gift certificate to this guy's class named Ben Bergeron. And he was teaching a, uh, like a fitness class. This was before CrossFit. 
and uh, he then became CrossFit uh, New England. And we were one of the original members of CrossFit New England. That was sort of how I got into it. When I got into it, I, I was hooked right away. First class was a Thanksgiving class, like one of these one-hour classes, and it was a big circuit boot camp. And I was like, this is awesome. This is great. You know, this is sort of back to the football days of, you know, doing – and even in football, though, we didn't do, like, workouts like this. But it was, uh, it was just sort of fun, big group of people, competitive, a little bit. You know, it was, it was sort of everything I was looking for instead of sitting on a bike curling a 45-pound dumbbell while riding a bike. <laughs> so you and your wife, Rhonda, who is also a, she's a family doctor, right? She is a family doctor, yes. Also a Harvard grad. Um, I met her at Harvard, yeah. This is such a romantic story. Um, no. Tell me about, you guys, you guys have your own CrossFit box now. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, there's a YouTube uh, on Rocket Science, if you ever want to go to it. It's called Rocket Science, and Michael Dalton did it. And he came and visited us and stayed with us for like three days. And uh, she started a box out of the garage. She uh, she gave up her medical practice. She uh, was sort of getting – one. number one was she got to be with the kids more because she would wake up, go to the gym, and then be around the kids and drive them to school and then come back and coach. And then the other part was she was sort of just getting, not burnt out, but just felt like she was just beating her head against the wall, like telling people, please stop eating sugar, stop, you know, smoking, stop doing this. And they come back six months later and she's like, how are we doing? And they're like, yeah, no, same thing. And she was just like every, imagine saying that to somebody 20 times a day and you get like a you know, 1%, 2% conversion rate on somebody that said, oh, you know, I like that diet or I like that exercise that you talk about. And so she said, you know, she always wanted to coach and she was a coach growing up and um, a swim coach. She was a swimmer and she she just loves it. She just, you know, if you look at that video, it sort of captures her essence really well. She really likes making a change in people's lives and able to spend so much time with them and talk to them about diet and exercise and being healthy. You know, and that's not just about the health. It's about, you know, people's lives. She's changing people's lives, their confidence, their their ability to walk up and down stairs, their ability to pick shit up off the ground. It's, it's a game changer and she yeah. loves it. Is there a difference being, so you're an orthopedic surgeon, your dad was a neurosurgeon, you know, it, is there more appreciation kind of the, the more specialization you get into like the folks, you know, cause if your wife was a GP and she's seeing everyone all the time, does she get, do those types of doctors kind of get less positive feedback than someone like yourself who's truly fixing, like I have pain today? So that's, that's the reason I like orthopedic surgery. That was really, you know, one, one of the main reasons that, and I, it's just, I'm a very concrete person. Like I, somebody comes in, they have something torn. We fix it six months later. I'm done. Like, you know, it's, it's not like they have this, you know, terrible cancer or they have this terrible, like, I'm not good at that. Right. I'm not good at, and I think it's just, and I'm not saying it's that I'm, you know, I'm just not that type of person. And I think it's just, I like to try to be positive and I, and, you know, seeing somebody with other, you know, conditions, uh, you know, sometimes I just, it just didn't, didn't appeal to me as a person. And God bless the people that, that are, you know, oncologists and are and dealing with these people who have cancer and, and, uh, but it just sort of wasn't the, 
you know, like I wanted to fix something and, you know, cancer, sometimes you can't fix. And that's, that was sad. And then I didn't love that. Angela can probably psychoanalyze me after, after this or. Yes. Cause I'm a real doctor. Um, <laughs> tell, tell me about the CrossFit health initiative that you're part of. Yeah. So that was, the, you know, everybody saw that unfold in the past two years or so. And it was, uh, it really came from Greg and uh, his real motivation to to put doctors into people's you know get doctors CrossFit trained and get doctors to start talking to patients about not about CrossFit but about diet and exercise and the things that really matter and the things that can really change and how we can change metabolic disease. So he started with the MDL1, the first MDL1, we went to the ranch in Aroma, so we had 40 doctors, and um, and it was, it's grown since then. All these doctors keep coming to get their L1s out in California, and it's, um, and it's trying to just really change the way medicine is practiced. Instead of having somebody say, here's a pill, you know, good luck with your diabetes, say, let's, let's talk about this. You know, what do you eat? There's so many times that, you know, people come to me and I, I ask them about their diet. I'm like, what do you eat for breakfast? What do you eat for lunch? What do you eat for dinner? And they're looking at me like, aren't you an orthopedic surgeon? I'm like, you know, I'll talk to them about their diet and maybe, you know, some of the, the ways they can get helped by diet and exercise instead of surgery. But yeah, so that was sort of how it started. He wanted, and he got CrossFit doctors. It wasn't like he was going out into the medical world and saying, who wants to join CrossFit? It was doctors who already were CrossFit. And so it was a natural progression where people loved it. The doctors who were do, doing CrossFit wanted to be a part of a bigger uh, sort of project and, and joined in and enthusiastically are taking back the, the L1 message back to their offices and hospitals and surgery centers. And so that's sort of where it started. And now you can see on, on the main site, they have it's, you know, getting into the, the science behind statins and the science behind cholesterol and, you know, the sugar theory and the fat theories and how those have been, you know, bastardized, grown up uh, from the 50s, sort of looking into how we got to where we are as a medical community and are we or have people in the medical community always given people the right advice or were they being influenced by somebody else to tell them, you know, this is what you should do because they were getting influenced by them. Being a doctor, being an orthopedic surgeon, were you thinking about talking to people about their diet early on in your career, or has that kind of come to the forefront? No, that definitely, yeah. Early on, before I was CrossFitting, I never talked about it. I was just like, um, you know, um, I never talked about diet and exercise with somebody. It wasn't until I started CrossFitting and saw the changes and saw the people around me, and that's the that's the cool thing is that like you know, early on as a CrossFitter, as a doctor, I was. I was just kind of skeptical and curious and I would, I would do like, you know, Ben Bergeron would say, Oh, I, I read this thing and you know, I can't read every article. And so I would talk to Ben about it and we talked about protein and we talked about sugar and, and this was early on. And then I would go look it up and I was like, huh, maybe, you know, something, we got something there, but then I would see it, you know, I would be in the gym and I would just see people transform with this, these recommendations. And it's like, you don't need any, MD or any any kind of PhD to to see the changes of your partner who's doing the workout and you've seen their weights you know improve over six months like that's proof right there you don't need any double blind randomized controlled study you, you see it happen right before right before your eyes yeah when I see if you're looking on Instagram or you're looking any place else and you have all these like you know detox 
crap. And I'm like, well, how about you just don't talk to start with? <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. just don't. Just I like my martinis. Yeah, yeah. As long as, long as you recognize them. Yeah. How intimidating is it to have Ben as your coach at CrossFit New England? I'd be freaking terrified. He knew Ben before Ben was Ben, though. I knew Ben before Ben. I think Ben was always Ben. Ben was, uh, ben was not all well. He was, he was all well. He has he has matured and developed. Um, he but he's always been. I, I the thing I always say about Ben is he, number one he is just so positive and such a motivator and and such an icon that people and a good personality and a great he's a great person too and people became attracted to that. But then as far as a strategizer, like he was an amazing strategizer. Like he could he could strategize. Like he knew me. And I was in competitions early on and like he would tell me exactly what to do in a competition and I would practice like the way I thought it should be done. And then I would practice the way he told me to do it. And, and yeah, I mean, it was hands down. He, he knew exactly how to do the workout, how long it was going to take me, how many stops, how many pauses I should, like he was very, very good at that. Like just the strategy behind it. And then that developed when they, you know, CrossFit New England, the teams won and then, Catherine and Matt Frazier and came over and so that that helped too that helped his boost his status you know, a lot of other people have showed up have you ever beat have you ever beat Ben in a workout <laughs> you know Nancy you know, yeah the workout Nancy so it was about uh-huh. I was into it about probably three years four years into he's one of my favorite games athletes. he um so I felt so bad for him so it's a funny story I was coming from uh I was coming uh, to the games and I was late uh, because my father-in-law was sick and um, and I get a phone call and I think it was from Castro or something saying, are you close? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. And they said, because Pat Vellner screwed up his arm. And I was like, oh shit. So, so I'm like on the Mass Pike heading out to Albany and I show up and he has this biceps. And so, you know, number one, as far as HIPAA goes, he has told me, you know, he's posted about this. There's videos of, you know, so he said I could, I could mm-hmm. talk about it because I can't talk about things that people haven't talked about or posted. Um, but yeah, it, he, he posted about it and I saw it. I said, oh shit, you tore your biceps. And I said, well, I, you know, it was, it was on, I think it was on Friday and it was the regional. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, how do you feel? And he goes, I feel pretty good. And he says, it actually, you know, this has been, my shoulder has been bothering me for a while. But, um, you know, I feel pretty good. I said, well, let's warm up for the next one and see how you do. You know, the only other option is to take you to, you know, go do surgery. And, <laughs> you know, we're not going to, you're not going to heal by Saturday. So, you know, it's the long head of the biceps. And if you go to 321goMD.com, you can look up biceps tears and biceps tenodesis. But that would be the treatment for it. And so the treatment, you know, he's at the regionals and this was back in the old days when it was regionals and then the games were coming up pretty soon. Um, so the, you know, a lot of people who tear their proximal, their long head of their biceps proximally up at the shoulder, um, sometimes don't have surgery. Usually we recommend it for like a young, healthy, athletic person because there are some people who go on to cramp and go on to have some pain with certain activities. So he said, like, can I tear this any further? And I'm like, nope, <laughs> it's, it's torn as torn can be. And, uh, and then I said, go warm up and we'll see how you do. And, and, and he, I saw him, I watched him warm up and he looked fine. And I said, you can go if you want. 
and uh, and Castro took a picture of it, and, you know, wrote it down and, and said, are you sure about this? I'm like, yes. I'm, and yeah, so I think he came, went on to be second or did he win? I think it was second behind Frazier. That, um, then the question was, do you fix them for the games? And no, because he wouldn't have been able to have time to fix it and recover for the games. And so then he went to the games that year and without his long head of his biceps. And he has yet to fix the long head of his bicep. But some people do fix it. So apparently he doesn't need it. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he's crushing he's, it. He won the Open. Exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah, no, some, the problem is you never know who, who needs it because of the cramping that can develop. And sometimes people will complain of some weakness. But he's so strong that he, you know, his weakness is not much compared to everybody else. So do you go to all the games as the... Uh the chief ortho there as the as the go-to guy are you is that your role yeah it's it's developed over the years and that's sort of what it's become yeah it started off you know i called up one of the guys and said you know do you guys have a sports medicine doc and orthopedic surgeon and they said no and i said okay would you like to have one and they said sure so i flew out flew out to carson and um and over the years we've had to treat some people out there and uh, you know, it's fun to be on the team. It's a great medical team made up of nurses and docs and um, EMTs and paramedics and emergency room docs. Mike Ray is the head of the team. He's the ER doc. So I love having him because he's can deal with the medical stuff that scares me. And I can deal with the, the, bone, the bones. And the, <laughs> he can deal with the smelly stuff or any anything that has to do with the heart. We let Mike might deal with but uh yeah so he and i it's been a nice it's been a nice combination the two of us orthopedics and emergency medicine it's a great combination to have at an event like that especially in carson it sounds super fun like super super fun i would that would be the best way to see the games up close because you are up close you want to be an honorary member of medical team we'll let you uh you can can you type hell yeah do you know do you know medical scribe Dude, I run a, a CrossFit Masters group. I should be able to type. Someone's got to write all that bullshit. So here's a good story. I had a guy who tore his pec. He tore his pec like a week before, two weeks before the games. And he was on like the special special teams unit for the games. He had volunteered. And so the special teams is like the guys that move secret objects and lift heck objects. And I just fixed his pec. Right. And he's like, oh, my God. And he goes, I, I don't know. He goes, well. What should do I get a note? Should I get a note? And I go, I go, can you type? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, would you like to be a medical scribe? And you can be my medical scribe because we actually have to keep notes and dictate and write and type stuff. And, and you know me, I don't, I'm, I'd, I'd rather talk to people and deal with people than type and write notes. And so I would get, he would be my medical scribe. So he was a pec tendon repair and he was typing away uh, as my medical scribe. So we'll let you be an honorary medical scribe. I totally can do that. I'm a trained journalist. I can do yes. this. Um, I'm, nice. not, I'm not sure what the notes will look like in the end, but, and I'm also going to be in charge of the CrossFit Masters beer tent. Ah. So we're going to be a little cross purposes there. That might be more important. All right. <laughs> Let's, um, yeah, it is. it's very much important. We, we, definitely, we definitely don't want you to go to the tent and then scribe. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> All right. I have a question. Shoot. It's about uh CrossFit and injuries. Yes, um, none. Because we none. Uh, zero. Yeah. Okay. Because you know, um, I, I believe that in the sense that I've had three years ago, I had my uh, shoulder repaired, the labrum, I had a rip there. But um, 
I don't think it was caused from CrossFit. It could have been a lifetime of, you know, a bunch of things yeah. from boxing or it could have been too many pull-ups. How do you, how do you know when you have to pull back when you're CrossFitting yeah. so that you don't end up with a ripped or torn whatever? Yeah. That, like what's that, that four-letter word called pain. So, but most people have different <sighs> words for it. They have achiness or soreness or it's tight or it's crunchy or it's gunky or it's, you know, there's a lot of words out there from people that are using different words, but pain is number one. Pain is your body's way of telling you, cut it out. And there's different, there's muscular soreness, which is fine, but then there's pain and pain in a joint or pain in a knee or pain in a shoulder with a certain activity, or if you can't sleep on your shoulder or you've taken four weeks off and rested it and modified and you've been really honest with yourself about modifying and you still have pain, that's when you get checked out. That's the key, right? Being honest with yourself and taking rest. Those are things that CrossFitters never do. No, most people are, you know, I'm always amazed. I'm like, how long has it bothered you? They're like eight years. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> how much Tylenol has that been? <laughs> like, you know, it's, there's tendonitis, and that's tendonitis is the first two weeks, three weeks, and those are the ones if you rest two or three weeks, it goes away. But tendonitis can be like severe, terrible pain, and but that's the most common thing from people just overdoing it, doing too much. If they rest two or three weeks, that pain goes away, and they they can go have at it. But then there's tears, and tears are usually clicking, cracking, crunching in a joint with motion or activity trouble sleeping, pain that hasn't gone away for three months, four months. That's when you want to get. God, that just sounds like being a regular masters. How do you, um, <laughs> when you can't lift your pint, when you can't lift your pint of beer, that's when, that's when, you know, there's exactly. a problem. when you need a straw. Oh, at what point, okay. At what point in the trajectory of getting old, do you have to start giving yourself more rest? Like do your tendons, do they like dry up and wear out? Like what's, what happens when you get to be 50 plus? Yeah, if, if you don't do anything, yeah, that's the natural course. The natural course is your cells, your tendons dehydrate, your cells atrophy, your, your tendons thin out, your muscles thin out, and you get weak. But it is reversible. And that's the awesome part, that you can reverse the process. You can get uh, tendon uh, thickening and tendon strengthening. You can increase the cells and the cellularity of your tendons and your muscles, yeah, you can reverse the process of age with weight. How's that? How's them apples, as they say in Goodwill, in Goodwill hunting? How about them apples? I took two days off in a row this week, and I feel like I've lost all my fitness. And I feel like because yeah. that's what CrossFit does to you. If you like miss a couple days yeah. or a week, you think, oh my god, how do I even do that again? You're like, oh my god, I'm gonna get short of breath walking up two steps of stairs. And yeah, it's fun. You're, but you are an orthopedic surgeon for more than just athletes. I mean, you talked about 75 year olds and so forth. What, what, what is the kind of the bell curve on what you see in your practice? Do you see mostly older folks needing hip replacements or what, what do you see? Yeah, I see, I see, I'd say 75% sports and 25% joint replacement age category. So age, you know, joint replacements have the age, ages for joint replacements have gone up because the equipment has gotten better, the, the, pro the products have gotten better. So it used to be an 80-year-old or 75-year-old operation, and now it's you know, not uncommon to see 55-year-olds getting knee replacement. 
happens. Um, that number has just pushed up, you know, dramatically in the 20 years that I've been around doing it. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say I, I have bigger sports medicine practice than joint replacement. Is that because the knees themselves, you know, the, uh, the, the artificial knees have gotten better. I, I took a, I'm an, I'm a mechanical engineer by training and I took some biomedical, biomedical classes when oh, I was cool. at Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, yeah. everything we did yeah. is about the failure analysis of the knee and the knee joint. And, you know, and so I, I, I learned that from a, from a, you know, mechanical perspective, you know, and when is the lifetime and the failure time? Is it that the, and I'm going to assume the answer is probably both, but is it that the procedures have gotten better and the parts have gotten better or is there a, a waiting on either one? It's mostly the parts. It's mostly the parts. It's the, uh, the plastic in between the metal. The plastic is the cross-linked polyethylene plastic, hard plastic. That durability and its uh, resistance to breakdown has gotten exponentially better. The wear rates used to be in the measured in the point mil, point 0.1 millimeters, and now they're you know, exponentially better than that. When I hear someone in their late 40s, early 50s um, complain about their knee and it's like debilitating pain, but then they're told that they're too young for a knee replacement, I like to call bullshit on that because it's quality of life and get yourself a new knee. And in Canada, it literally costs you nothing to get a new knee. So I don't understand why general family doctors are telling, okay, boomers, that no, you can't get a knee yet, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's definitely, uh, there is a trend to putting knees into people that might not need them uh, or might not be in that much pain. And that's part of, you know, as being an orthopedic surgeon, I know how much pain that surgery is, and I know how much it takes to rehab from it. And if I'm assessing somebody, you know, like I had, I had it the other day, I was like, so how a guy came to me for a knee replacement because he has arthritis. I said, well, tell me about your, and he goes, yeah, it's, it's not too bad. And so what are you able to do? He's like, oh, I can run. And I said, well, what are you can be able to run? He's like, oh, I did 10 miles, 11 miles. And I'm like, and do you have, and do you have pain? He goes, no, but I just want to get it over with before I get too old to have it. I'm like, you're not a candidate for a knee replacement. Like, so there are people out there who are want it for some reason. And if they have mild pain that's controlled by occasional Advil or Tylenol, you know, those people shouldn't get. So there's those, there's a lot of people like that. Yeah. I mean, if you're bone on bone, you can't walk, you can't function, you can't, you know, dance, you can't go upstairs, you have to park closer because it's, it hurts and you can't sleep at night. Then yeah, that's a, a reasonable thing to do then. Or how I feel like after Karen, I feel all those things after I do Karen. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of leads into the question, and, and I don't know if you can answer it or not, but it's how do, we, how do you find an orthopedic surgeon? I come at that from I've had my, my hip worked on, I've had my shoulder worked on, hip was fantastic, shoulder wasn't as good. I didn't have as good of a relationship with the surgeon. How do you recommend people like us look for people like you well it's funny uh I just, we're just starting a uh, crossfit um doctor's page so it's coming out everybody's been clamoring for it for about two three years but there's going to be a page an affiliate not an affiliate finder but a doctor finder so you're going to have doctor ability the ability to find a doctor who is of your same mentality in crossfit but again this doesn't have to be just crossfit but 
uh, you'll be able to look on an affiliate map and find out a CrossFitter who's a doctor who gets it. But apart from that, word of mouth is usually a good thing. Like if you've said, you know, you go to a party and you say, have you been to this guy, this guy, this guy? I would say word of mouth is the best thing. The obvious, the best thing is if you can get a, a nurse who's a surgical nurse uh, and ask them, they will give you the definite answer because they've seen everybody and how they operate and how they act. And um, so I would say surgical nurses or nurses are very good sources of information um, for a doctor. If it's a surgeon, uh, if it's just a you know regular primary uh, you know primary care or family medicine doc, um, you know I would say it's you know who your friends like or who your friends go to. Well, this uh, um, doctor's page will it be international or just American? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, it's everybody. Hey. They're beta testing it right now. I know I am um, at my previous box. Um, I was one of my well, there was a, a family doctor there and she was a CrossFitter. And I always loved working out next to her because um, in case I went down, I knew she could save me. And I could also show her my various ailments and things and say, hey, Michelle, what, what is that? Is that a is that an OK rash? Or she was always very good at, at doing on the on the fly diagnosis for people. Yeah, usually, usually you want to get them after the workout, oh, yeah. we, not while they're afterwards. warming up. <laughs> Sean, or, or in the middle of an open workout, the middle of 19.5. Hey, could you tell me what this looks like on my elbow? Is that, is that something I should worry about? They might at that point go, I'm done with 19.5 and I'd like to stop and look at your arm instead of going <laughs> doing any more damn thrusters. That might be a positive. I literally, I literally did have, I had somebody come up right before, or I was about to do an open workout. Like I was warming up for my open workout and they literally came up to me. They're like, could I ask you about my hip? And I said, I, I really would like to talk to you right now, but I'm about, I'm, I'm about to do the thing. And she's like, no, no, just a quick question. And I was like, and it was like one of the first times I've ever said like, I'm sorry, no. Like, I'm like, no, I can't talk right now. But I'm usually happy to talk to people and it usually ends up, you know, come to the office. I got to see in the office. Some of them are just easy to say, oh yeah. So have you over the years, you know, you've been doing this a while, you've operated on thousands of people. Has the the mindset when you go to open up another person's body, has that changed? Is it still kind of the same? I mean, as a non-surgeon, I can't even fathom what that could feel like. So I'm kind of fascinated by that. Yeah. Early on, it was definitely, um, you know, as a resident, my brother, who's a general surgeon, my brother gave me great advice when I was an intern and a PGY, to, you know, into my second year of training. He said, Sean, pretend like these are your cases, not like you're the resident in the case, but pretend like you are the doctor and no one else is there. So I got early on, I got into the mentality of like, okay, this is real. This is going to happen someday. Because that first year you're out and there's nobody with you and it's you by yourself. That's, that, that is, uh, you know, that's, I guess, stimulating, you might say, like, there's, you do more reading your first year out of residency than you've ever done in residency. Like, you really have to brush up and make sure everything that you learned and approaches and all anatomy and everything is, is down pat. But, you know, as the years have gone on, it's become like eating breakfast kind of thing. So, but every so often, we'll get a great case. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, brush up or, or you know, a good case that's a, a rare case and and that's um you know like i just had a guy tear his acl and, it, and he took out his perineal nerve and i had to dissect his perineal nerve to see what he did to it 
because his foot wasn't working. He had a foot drop. And so we dissected out the perineal nerve. And, uh, and you know, that's something you don't get to do every day. And, and you know, doing rotator cuffs and ACLs and meniscus and stuff like that. So it's, um, you know, every so often there a, a good, big, complicated case will come in and, and it sort of reminds you and gets you, gets you fired up again. And what's next? And I'm sure you're on top of this stuff because it's, you know, it's not only your career, but it sounds like you're really into it. What, what is next in, in orthopedic surgery that you're looking at saying, Hey, in a few years, it's not just going to be better wear or whatever. What's next? I think there's going to be a better way to do rotator cuffs. Um, I think there's going to be a, a glue made that is, you know, like Gorilla Glue that's going to be instantly bonding. And, you know, instead of us right now, we have to put little anchors into the bone and put sutures through the tendon and we have to tie it down and then you have to wait for that to heal. And I think there's going to be something like that where it's instantaneous fixation, um, you know, immediate fixation and, uh, you know, growth of the tendon into bone. Would that extend potentially to like hip labrums and stuff like that? Everything, everything, you know, it could be everything, you know, if that's, that's just my theory out there, you know, there's, they're looking at how to sew things back together better and how to, you know, repair things. But if, I think if you had some kind of fibrin glue, you know, and, and they've done it, they've looked at fibrin glue and it's failed. But I think there's, something out there that's going to be. I know at the university that I work at in the biomedical engineering, there's tons of research in that area. And because it's, it's the in-demand thing. So I'm looking at the open leaderboard from the 2020, Sean, and I see that you are ranked 1800, which is not bad at all. In 2020? Um, well, it, um, this year, looking at it, it says, oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, and, this um, year I went kind of easy too, cause my neck, I had, a, I had some neck uh, arthritis actually. Um, last year I was, I was sort of better, but, uh, I, I didn't even, um, well, I didn't look that far. I, but, I wasn't um, as into it this year and checking my numbers just cause I was kind of bummed out cause I was keeping my weights low and not doing as, as much. Wow. 1800 out of what? Like, what are you looking for? Like age group? Um, yeah, I was looking at your age group. I was, no, no, no. I was looking at. Your age deficient orthopedic doctors <laughs> married to other doctor doctors who has glasses. <laughs> well, I see you you didn't get any muscle up, so you're not a muscle up kind of guy. I know. I looked at one of your questions. One of your questions, what was it? It said, uh, oh yeah, what what should you have done instead of becoming an orthopedic surgeon? It was uh it was oh that was it, that was it. What are you researching and hope comes to fruition over the next couple of decades? That was, my ring muscle up is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, arthritis in the neck, that's, um, I have a question about that. Doesn't everybody over the age 50 have arthritis? Isn't that just the thing? No, not, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, how do you avoid yeah. it? A lot of people do. Yeah, I wish that was, well, speaking of research, <laughs> it's uh, right now we don't have the answer on why people get it, why, how you avoid it, how to prevent it how to repair it how to make it better we just have metal implants that make it go away and so that's a ton of research is going into fixing arthritis repairing arthritis preventing it you know from happening it's it's the breakdown of the cushion and it, 
if you can break, prevent the breakdown of the cushion, then you won't get arthritis. And I think that's where the big money. <laughs> how much, uh, how much CrossFit do you do a week? Do you do like three classes, five classes? What's your, what's your CrossFit schedule? Like I do, uh, 21 classes a week what? <laughs> and some amphetamines in between. <laughs> Uh, um, I've, I've gotten to a healthy, I would say four times yeah. a week. You know, if I, if I do less, I feel guilty. If I do more, I, I hurt. <laughs> um, so I'm a, you know, four times a week would be, is sort of my goal. And sometimes it's zero because of meetings and because of surgery went late or there's a meeting in the morning, there's a meeting in the evening and there's a kid's game that I'm going to go to or going to be the doctor on the sideline for a game or you know it's it's where i can fit it in i think four is four is a good good schedule four is a good that way you get to yeah if you go every day you get wrecked and then yeah. you're no good yeah so i've, I've yeah. seen the people that go every day. so um what's what's next in the three two one go md column what's your next uh um i don't know tell everybody to go to it and ask oh, okay. for topics they can go to it if they want to go there's a little thing on the side that says, uh, you know, ask Sean or ask the doctor. I'll post it on the CrossFit Master site and we'll get a, sure. we'll get a survey. The next topic you want. I usually do it on clean flights. I, as I fly on a plane, I usually will dictate into my iPhone on my notes and say, insert picture here. And, and you know, that's usually where it comes from when I'm just sitting around doing nothing. I got to put hamstring repairs for work. I find planes are awesome for yeah because you can't trapped. go anywhere yeah you're trapped in you're in the middle seat you're screwed yeah you can't you can't get up occasionally Sean you'll pop into the to the masters group and and you know espouse some wisdom but for the most part you just kind of keep it light but what how did you find the CrossFit Masters group and what the hell does it mean to you I found the CrossFit Masters group I think it was Ray Garcia um, or Del LaFontaine I think invited me into it or told me about it. And, uh, so I was in on it pretty early and, um, yeah, it was usually people asking advice and, um, and again, I can't give advice over the internet. That's why I just say, Oh, I wrote this for my patients and post the three, two, one MD on it. Um, I checked in with, you know, lawyers and, and they said, you know, whatever you do, don't say, you know, this is what you have and this is what you should do. And, because that's a doctor patient relationship and you can't have that on Facebook um, unless you, you know, have a contract and blah, blah, blah. I'm not getting into contracts and stuff like that, but I will have people who will send me stuff and send me MRIs and, and, um, and, you know, then come to the office. I'll say, yeah, come to the office and they'll come to the office. So I will have that. But um, yeah, that's how it got started. It, you know, early on people were, you know, again, it seems like there's only a certain number of categories of posts on, on the site. And it's usually body part injury, dogs, stuff like that. Dogs are new. We blame Angela for that. People like their dogs. I get one dog. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. that's taken off. As long as there aren't no. any snakes. Keep, keep that damn snake <sighs> off. Snakes. I turned on to that. There was a snake. Snakes. I was pissed. <laughs> I hate snakes. Like, like Harrison Ford. I hate snakes. That was from... Uh, Ron, do you have any more questions for the good doctor? 
Hey, Sean, thanks. And and I appreciate that uh, you were, you know, we get to hear a little bit about you. It's, uh, you know, you're clearly the orthopedic doc of CrossFit. And I'm sure that, you know, there's tons of people that walk up to you and say, my shoulder, my finger, my knee, my whatever. You could be a gynecologist. So just count your lucky stars. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> you know, I was going to say proctologist, but we know you don't like the smell of. That would be that would be tough on the floor at Madison, you know. Like, but thanks yeah. because yeah. sharing who you are is is really cool. Of like, you know, how you got into this, and you know, you're a funny guy. So thanks, man. I really Thank appreciate you. the thanks time. Thanks for having me. We'll see you online. Cheers. Fun. See you at Madison.